You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi there, everyone. This is Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. Thanks so much for joining us this week for another episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast show all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs so that we can all shine our light in the world just a little bit brighter. And I believe, you know, I say this almost every week that we're each capable of more than we imagine. And that when we clarify, align with our values and declare our intentions for good, we can actually create a positive ripple effect that extends far out into the world and beyond our own universe our own personal universe, as well as potentially the universe universe. So if you are someone who feels spirit led, or you have that undeniable pull to be a light in the world and make a difference, be sure to stay connected with us through our website and to listen extra careful to our podcast day guest today, because Hazel has an amazing story. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it before I bring her on. But she knows something about perseverance, overcoming, and then being a light for so many people in the world. So our guest today is Hazel Ortega, and Hazel is considered a leading expert and internationally recognized speaker, and she specializes in vocational rehabilitation for injured workers. So a lot of what she knows is applicable for anybody who is starting over. She has her own inspiring story, and she has traveled many miles and overcome many obstacles along her own journey. She's gone from growing up poor, living in a rat infested household in a dangerous gang neighborhood and living on food stamps to now having higher education. She acquired that even in her late twenties. She has a best-selling book on Amazon. She has several multi-million dollar businesses And she has more than enough quality time for her family. So think about that. That's often how we describe our success, those big things. But it's that last bullet that really resonates with me, that she has all that success and she has more than enough quality time for herself and her family. So today, Hazel's going to share her journey and she's going to talk about how she guides people as she helps them walk to the other side of fear and master miracles. So now let's welcome our guest today, Hazel Ortega. Hi, Hazel. Hi, Sarah. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you here. And as our guests know, or our listeners know, I start by asking all of our guests some variation of this question. And that is, how do you stay connected and committed to your personal vision and your calling in life? 
funny you use the word personal vision because that is exactly what I feel I have as my most strongest success tool is creating a vision for my life, for what I want it to look like. And then I live into that vision. I write down 10 things I want to accomplish in the 10 years to come. And then I create a one-year vision and then I draw it. And what physically I physically draw it out. I physically draw it out. Yeah. And it looks like a four-year-old drew it and it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter because my brain sees all the details of that. Yeah. And before I know it, I'm checking off all of the things that have occurred. It's like, wow, I'm inside my own vision right now in this moment. So what's amazing to me about that, which I love hearing, is that you do a 10-year vision, but then you make it in a one-year piece, right? You don't worry about everything else to get to 10-year. You're just looking at what's what for this year. Yeah, and a lot of times what happens is that we tend to forget, why are we doing what we're doing? Why, you, you know, when you get up in the morning, like, what's the purpose? And your vision becomes like your compass. So when you're lost and you forget, you get your vision out and then it becomes like you remember, oh, yes, this is what I said I wanted in 10 years. And this is why I do what I do, which it could be, why am I a podcast host? Like, why am I a podcast guest? Like you forget. And so the vision is your compass. Boy, that's a great way of putting it. It is your compass, your North Star. And that's true because I know when, when I just feel like, okay, wait a minute, there's too much going on. I'll go, okay, step back. You may need to take some things away. So really, where are you wanting to be? And that, like that North Star just helps let all the extra noise kind of stop and get back on track. And it does serve as a great motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So- you know, your background, your little story that I shared with folks is very compelling how far you have come, what you've accomplished in your life. Can you share a bit about your background, where you grew up, your neighborhood, your schools? Yes, I grew up in downtown Los Angeles. And by the time I was born, my parents were already separated. There were immigrants from Mexico. And my mom moved into a 60-unit apartment building and collected welfare until I was 19 years old at least. And in this time growing up, uh, it was very dangerous, like I said, and I had my best friend was killed when we were just 12 years old in a gang-related incident. My cousin was killed in a drive-by shooting, and the police killed another cousin of mine in a case of mistaken identity with a gang-related activity. Before long, my mom also shot and killed her boyfriend and became a fugitive. Yeah, for five years wow. before going to prison. Yeah, that's the kind of environment that I grew up in. And that's what I write about in my book, my story about overcoming challenges. And if you look under challenges in the dictionary, I think you'll see my face because I, I've overcome <laughs> so much. Okay, so that begs a question for me. Here you are, you have brothers and sisters? There's seven of us. Okay, and were you all living with your mom? Well, my mom, most of us did. Uh, okay. Well, my mom went to prison when the younger siblings were just four and six years old. And I raised them. Until, so you were a surrogate mom? Yes, I, uh, they call me their sister mom. I can see that. 
<laughs> yes, and uh, the rest of us five girls lived in an 800 square foot apartment along with my mom and a boyfriend, stepfather, whomever she was living with at the time. So now with that as a picture or a background, you know, contrasting with how vibrant you are today, right? I can imagine, because I remember being 17, 18, 19, and just normal living, you know, the changes you go through as a teenage girl and all that stuff, you're already um, trying to figure out life, right? Well, and on top of that, you're figuring out, is it safe to go out the front door? What's happening with my siblings? Where did you find within you that piece that drove your vision, your ability to see bigger and different for yourself? I was a typical 17 year old and I had no vision. I went day to day survival, what's happening. Uh, I had a very strong mother figure. So my mom was involved in my life and she steered me straight. My mom ended up having a a divorce when I was about, about 16, 17 years old. And that's when my mom took her eyes off us and started uh, doing drugs, going out and not coming home. That, so that happened, uh, I, that happened later in my teen years. So between 17 and 19, when I lived with her is when I was impacted by that. But for most of the time, she was very involved, making sure that we were going to school, that we didn't have any boyfriends, that we weren't getting pregnant, <laughs> that we were surviving the neighborhood. And that's what kept me straight. It was honestly, it was my mom. Unfortunately, again, because of the turn of events in her life, we, you know, we lost her in the end to, to the, the, the things that she was afraid for us right. ended up happening to her. But how great that during that time that your values and your strength were forming as a young woman, she was there to guide you. Definitely there to guide me. And another thing that I write about in my book, uh, Sarah, is I had mentors. I had people in my life that showed up as angels. And my uncle uh, was one of them. I'm, I didn't have a, a strong father figure. Like I said, my father was in and out of prison. He was a heroin addict all my life and he died a heroin addict and he was 63 years old and still uh, dealing with drugs when he died and and I had to deal with that supporting him and in, in a sense not monetarily but with all the problems that come up yeah. I mean <laughs> my dad was shot by the police run over by a bus uh, you know, gang jumped and everything you can think of and, uh, and I definitely was there to deal with that. So the mentors and the angels that came into my life, like my high school counselor, who was the uh, truancy counselor, uh, didn't give up on me. He hung onto my diploma for you know, 12 years, knowing that I would come back to school and get it. I didn't graduate high school. I wasn't even interested in going to college. That's not anything that, that was expected of me. All my mom wanted was for me to complete high school and get a job and not get pregnant and you know, survive the neighborhood. So when you have a parent that is just focused on the day-to-day, -day, there's no future, there's no vision, except for my mom would tell me, you can marry anybody that you want. You're so beautiful, you're so important that you can marry anybody that you want. It wasn't ever like you can go to any college that you want, achieve anything that you want, 
So these are angels in our lives. Now in retrospect is what I see, see them as, even though uh, in the past when we're young, we don't, we don't wanna acknowledge them as mentors or angels. It happens in retrospect. Absolutely. Or you're much wiser in retrospect, right? You're thinking, wow, how lucky was I to have a truancy officer who cared enough about me to see me and what's possible beyond what I could see at the moment. Exactly. Even now I seek mentors. That's another success tool that I, I talk about. I think that everyone needs a mentor and even successful people will always have friends around them that are successful and people that they can look up to as well. So even for me right now, I tell people that JLo is my mentor. She doesn't know it, but she is. And Jesus Christ, right? And Oprah, like those are the people that I look up to. And I'm like, well, what would Oprah do right now? What would Jesus do? And I, but those I are good questions, don't you think? Most those definitely. are powerful. Yes. I, I was gonna I ask you, I was gonna say, who are your mentors today? So you just answered that question for me. Yeah. What a trilogy. Jesus, Oprah, and JLo. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, so can you think about whether or not there was a defining moment? Because I know you said you were kind of living day to day for a while. But when you it's something clicked for you and the, you just said, okay, I'm going after what Hazel needs what's best for Hazel, for Hazel's dream that went to where you started writing those vision boards? Yeah, uh, well, remember I said I didn't graduate high school? Mm -hmm. Well, I did go back to school and I received my high school diploma when I was 30 years old. I became a psychologist at 36 years old and becoming a psychologist didn't really change my life. It taught me how to do a job, right? And I was still fist fighting with my sisters at 36 years old. I was a psychologist and my sister, a police officer, and we would fist fight at our family parties. We didn't know how to solve our problems. I'm sorry, but that's funny. Having sisters, somehow that is funny to me because I can see it unfolding. Yes, yeah, so we grew up fighting for everything and we are adults using the strategies we learned as children to solve our adult problems and we're blind to it completely. I have no idea this is happening, but I take a personal development seminar and I start to learn how to master myself. And one of the things I realized is that I never dreamed. I always had goals and plans that were within my means. That means that if I had a plan to go to Disneyland with the kids, I wouldn't say I'm gonna get on a plane and go to Florida and go to Disney World or go on a Disney cruise because I knew how much money I had in the bank. So therefore, I never dreamed that I could take them there. I always dreamed for what's within my means, like what I could potentially afford. And then I was asked, where was I gonna be in five years? And when the person asked me that, which was a pushy angel, one of those angels that I mentioned, when she asked me, where do I see myself in five years? I, I didn't know anything different than today. So like, why would tomorrow look any different than today? And I was stuck there and I told her that, like, I don't know where I'm gonna be in five years. And she said, well, think about it. I'll give you 10 minutes. And when she did that, I was sitting there and I know that I'm the cause and the matter of my own life. And I didn't wanna be there saying that I don't have an answer. So I came up with an answer and I, I asked myself, 
if I believe in God and I believe in miracles, what is possible for me? And then my brain allowed me to dream. And I said, in five years, I will have a $3 million plus business. I will have a relationship with my sisters that look like we were in heaven. Remember, we were fist fighting at the moment. Yep. Yeah, I said that I would have a relationship with my sisters. I looked like we were in heaven. I would find the love of my life, which I didn't even believe that was possible. That's something that you only see on television. Again, my mom shot and killed her boyfriend and had already divorced many times. So I didn't really believe that this was possible. And I also said I wanted a life that looked like I was always on vacation. <laughs> and I wanted a pimp daddy mansion, the kind where music videos are filmed. So I wrote all these things out uh, on the areas of my life that matter the most. So my family, my career, my finances, my lifestyle, and my health. Then the lady comes back and then she's like, oh, wow, how did you come up with all that when you, you couldn't even come up with it before? And so I told her that I, I, I said, if I believe in miracles, what is possible? When, you know, we're not, Sarah, we're not trained to make a miracle happen. When people make goals, they, your brain immediately tries to figure out how to make that happen. But when you make a miracle, then that's none of your business how that happens. Your brain is not trained to make that happen. So it allows you to have the vision. And that is how I was able to break through. And I think that a lot of people are stuck because they're very reasonable. They know how much money they have in the bank. They know how old they are. They know all the naughty things about themselves and the brain will not allow you to, to have these big dreams. So I agree. <laughs> yeah. So that's a huge moment to realize. That. I mean, think about that's monumental to go, okay, if miracle, if I believe in miracles, right? So you're testing an assumption, right? It's easy to say, oh, I believe in miracles, but if that's true, what would it look like? You know? Yes. So you basically took a huge leap of faith as well. Then what did you do with that, Hazel? Did you just sit on it and then start living life or what, where'd you go from there? Cause I can imagine listeners going, okay, I can follow you this far now what? <laughs> Perfect, Sarah. So what ends up happening is that when you, you know what you want, you very often will get it. So now that you allowed yourself to see it, when your life starts looking different, you already know it's incongruent to what you said you wanted. So I said, I wanted $3 million plus business and I'm have a negative bank account like that doesn't match with the vision. So what happened there is I started to uh, look at my account and say, I don't want to be broke anymore. I want to have a, a multi-million dollars. So in the bank account and uh, where do I go? And so what I did is I got into action and I got the Dave Ramsey financial planning course and I started a group of five women. And we all went into it consistently and held each other accountable. And that was one of the first big steps I did for financial freedom. I learned how to budget. I learned how to plan. I never had done that in my entire life. I've never seen my mother go into a bank, sign a check, get a credit card, nothing like that. My experience was going with my mom to the check cashing place and cashing her welfare check. That is what my experience was, going to the ATM machine for my own personal account and overdrawing, taking money out, 
for whatever I wanted and not having consideration that I didn't have the money for it, just wanting what I want right now and not waiting. I learned a lot from that program. Then I also, with my sisters, I told you we were fist fighting. Well, that's not what I wanted. So I stopped arguing with them because I already had this vision in my head of what I wanted. And so when they're in front of me, I love them more than anything. Why would I wanna hurt them? Why would I wanna be arguing with them? It was incongruent to the vision that I created. I was so present to that. I don't want to hang up on the phone on my sisters. I don't want them to feel bad. So the next time my sister was upset with me and I noticed, I stopped myself and I said, I am so sorry, I love you. I love you. I don't mean to hurt you. Now, what was her reaction? Because that's like a complete about face, right? Yeah, <laughs> my sister was like, yeah. <laughs> who, who stole her? What happened to Hazel? Yes, they, they're very present to my transformation. Yeah, First, I bet. You know, I went to school, I became a psychologist. That didn't change anything. Uh, but when I got breakthroughs around around that, like I, I created a vision, uh, you know, that I'm going to get along with you and I'm going to be the cause and the matter of that. And you don't have to change anything. I'm the one that's going to change. That really shocked them that I'm not expecting them to change. I'm a hundred percent responsible for the, what's happening in our relationship, a hundred percent. And I'm not waiting for them to apologize uh, at all. I love them and that's it. And if we're not talking and they don't want to talk to me, I, I go to their house and I'm like, ah, in my world, you talk to me. I have <laughs> sisters that talk to me, not that. <laughs> yeah, they were very shocked. And it's been about 10 years now that I've been the way I am. And now they gave up fighting with me because I don't engage. There's an interesting, um, and I may mess this up a little bit, but in the martial, martial art of Aikido, part of that is also that you let the energy pass by. It doesn't mean you're not fighting or you're not able to take care of yourself, but you're not like this engaging because it just creates more energy. It's an interesting um, and I'm not giving it justice, but it is that whole thing of if I don't engage with you in that way, there's nowhere for you to go, right? Your energy, if you're going to be yelling at me and I don't re-engage, your energy is going to go somewhere passing by. And as long as I don't take it in and like throw it back at you, it starts to dissipate. Now, if someone's looking for a fight, it's really frustrating for them. Oh, totally. They're, they're not getting one here. Yeah. I remember there was this guy, I, I got really mad and I said, aren't you going to, he goes, I'm not going to engage with you at this point. He says, first of all, all you want to do is kind of discharge your energy. And so we're not really going to have a good conversation. I'm thinking. Well, that's a true statement, and it kind of makes me mad, but I'll come back. But it's a whole, but, it, but it, he was basically taking responsibility for how he was showing up. And I just thought, okay, wow. that's powerful, but it caught my attention. So, yes. um, so you basically decided to go after your dreams. You thought bigger than possible, got way past your comfort zone. Um, did you have, I guess like pushback or challenges from people who saw you changing be, beyond your family, but people going, who does Hazel think she is? No, uh, people have asked me uh, that I changed friends because I have different uh, associates now and colleagues and people around me. But in reality, I didn't change friends. People don't fit in your life anymore and they go away. Yeah. 
their own feeling about themselves that make, make them go away. Um, I did intentionally put into my life different groups of people. So right now I'm an entrepreneur and I have a lot of friends that are also entrepreneurs. I wanna surround myself with people that are on a really high vibe, that we're all in sync, we're all working to grow our businesses and make a difference in the world. Like yep. those are the people that I spend the most time with aside from my family and my close friends. So is that, when you say that, um having big goals and leveraging available opportunities and surrounding yourself with good people um, are important it's a, are pillars for you most definitely your environment is what is going to dictate your success you know i i'm successful now and a lot of people tell me i bet you were a big fish in a small pond and i said no a, a fish can't grow big in a small pond i had to change my pond and that's when I grew and then I changed my pond again and then again. And so right now I'm on like on a global on a global stage, having friends all over the world that are up to changing the world. First, I started with changing my family and myself, then my community, then my California and then the United States. And then now we're global. So incrementally, we are we grow and evolve. And if you put the right people in, it's just so much better and easier because now you have like somebody to look up to or a path that's already been forged yep. and introductions that can be made that will get you from zero to a hundred in one phone call. If you take the step to step into the call. Most definitely. And Sarah, I want to say, like, I know your audience goes through transition is transitions and they, they listen to you for that reason for to get tools, success tools. I want to say that a lot of people tell me no for certain things, my clients, and because they believe that they can't do a certain thing, right? And so I say, yeah, you can't do it today. But every day you're working towards it, you are growing as a person and you your capacity and then you will know how to do this later you know so we so like my confidence level and how i feel about myself wasn't the way i felt about myself when i was 30 just getting my high school diploma but little actions towards the big vision will eventually evolve you into this person that will be able to make those big hairy audacious goals happen every day you grow as you see yourself accomplish things, even small little things like completing a class, just one class, not the degree, not the certificate, just one class. It tells you a lot about yourself when you do those little milestones too. Um, yeah. And I think like someone, I asked someone for help on something, just technology, it wasn't a big deal, but I realized that just a few years ago, I wouldn't even even known that there was a question to ask, right? Because of taking the little steps, it's like, oh no, this is something that's easy to fix. I just need to ask the right person the right question, and it will be done. And sure enough, my in my email right now is sitting three responses for people who says, "Let me just help you fix that." I'm thinking, yeah, it's good to know when to ask and just stop, you know. But yes. that's part of that going and growing a connection and friends who can quickly fix stuff or help you know what to do next. So let's talk about um, your voc rehab work, because that sounds like it's also, well, it is really 
impactful in the world. So can you talk about that and how the mindset and your own journey has helped you help folks who are re-entering the workforce? I went through exactly the process that they went through, not believing in myself, not wanting to go back to school, but definitely being in a place where something's got to give. So I was injured on the job when I was 26 years old. I had three kids, I was married, and I didn't even have a high school diploma. The doctor told me I couldn't do my job anymore. And my boss told me, you better go back to school because what are you gonna do? As a secretary, I was getting paid pretty well, but without being able to do that job anymore, I'm not sure what kind of a job I would have gotten that paid that well. So I went back to school and begrudgingly, I went back to school and I'll tell you, I worked from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. as a secretary. And I went to school seven to 10 at night. I went to school Saturdays, eight to five and, and Sundays from 10 to two. And why did I do it like that and so fast? Because I wanted to be done and be home with the kids. As, as fast as I could get this done, I was gonna do it. And I did, and I saw myself incrementally uh, accumulating my units at school. And that got me really excited, like the little wins got me really excited. So then I graduated school, became a psychologist, and I started a business for my garage. In the beginning, I had eight clients a month. And then now I'm the largest center for injured workers in California. And I went through all the same journey that they go through. So I have a personal um, response to everything that comes up in somebody's mind when they're telling them that they could go back to school. All of the objections that you, all of the objections, all the fears, everything that comes up that gets in the way, we put together our whole business based on my personal experience of going from an injured worker to a job I love. So that experience really, um, it's that old saying like, you hear a father say to the kid dating their daughter, right? It's like, there's nothing you can think of I haven't thought of or figured out how to get around, right? <laughs> and I mean, I, it's true. It's kind of like, well, okay, I could give you some excuse, but you're going to be able to say, Sarah, come on now, that's not real. I've been there. I know how it feels. Now, do you have people say, well, it's going to take me so long. I'm not, I can't do it as fast as you or as dedicated as you. And so that's an excuse for not even starting. Most definitely. And so I tell them, I, I wasn't always the way you see me right now. Just like I said earlier, like I wasn't always confident. I wasn't knowledgeable. I was lost. And so I went to the counselors and I got help. I now I still get lost. How do I, you know, turn the corner and meet my next goal, I have to hire a coach that's appropriate for what I'm up to. And I hire coaches for everything in my life. If I'm walking, <laughs> right? Too. Because it's the, it's the shortest path to advancement. Exactly. I, I recommend coaches to everyone. That's the best thing that I ever did. And the best thing that I think anybody can do, and they hold you accountable and they hold your vision for you for when you forget. So it's also like they become your compass also because they'll remind you of what you said you wanted. It's like, what? so for instance, for myself, I said, I, I didn't, I wanted to have a life that looked like I was always on vacation. Well, 
uh, when I bought a building and I, I designed all the offices and then I put mine in there, my coach saw it and she said, why, why is there an office here with your name on it? I thought you weren't going to work anymore. And, uh, and I, I was very surprised. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. And I took my name off that office and I put somebody else's name on there. <laughs> and I don't have an office in my own office building that has my name on it. But isn't that great that someone reflected like, hey, this was your intent. Yes. You know, and now yes. you're straying from it. Yes. It was yeah. the best. And so that's what we do as vocational counselors. Uh, I feel like we're pushy angels. Sometimes I get people who say, I feel like, uh, you know, your counselors are pushy. I said, yeah, like it, it does feel like you're being pushed because whenever you're seeing yourself different, your brain gets uncomfortable. It, it, it's scared. And it's not because we're being pushy, but we occur like we're being pushy. But in reality, your brain is, you know, sending all these signals to protect you. And it feels like we're the predator, but in reality, it's just your reality that is hard to see the future of you being better than you are today. Yeah, and I think that is such a gift to have someone in your corner who can hold that vision for you and with you um, while you're uncertain, because it's so easy to start believing the lies or like, you know, the whole thing about like, I can rationalize why I don't need to do this because I'm basically just telling myself lies about my limitations. Uh -huh. and, and so to have someone like yourself just say, okay, we've talked about this. This was what you set your goal as. Let's get there. Come on. Exactly. But eventually people will get stronger. Yeah. And they will be their own motivation and their own accountability. You, you will get there. And these are skills that are learned. It's not born. I mean, it's great when people are born that way. There definitely is that top 1%. But then for everybody else, it's a learned practice. Yeah. I used to not wake up the way I do today and ask the questions that I ask myself in the morning. That was not a practice that I normally do. It was something that I, I heard from somebody else and I liked it and I started to do it for myself and it works. So I do that all the time, every day when I wake up. So share with us what the questions are you ask yourself. I ask myself, how can I help even more people today? And then actions come up. So you just wait for a response to your question. Yeah, and it's almost instant. I know what I can do to help even more people today. And then sometimes I get a phone call and it's a call for me to be on another call with the United Nations, an opportunity to share my story. Like that's how it shows up always. Well, but you've opened the door for it to show up, right? Yes. Okay, Hazel. So um, what is one of the most inspirational, besides yourself, what is one of the most inspirational turnarounds or transformations one of your clients has made? And I know you've worked in this field for a while, so I'll just say within recent history. Yeah, I have um, retired police officers that I've called and I told them, you know, you were injured on the job and you're entitled to a, re a return to work benefit for retraining. And they tell me, oh, I don't need retraining. I'm not gonna go back to work. I have a pretty good life. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. And so then that means that you could uh, take your wife to Italy and stay out there as long as you want and, and uh, buy her nice things for her birthday. And then he's like, oh, no, no, well, then not that, you know? And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, 
let's talk about what you can do to have a supplemental income. And I said, what do you do for fun? And he said, all I want to do is golf. And so I said, well, there's a golf uh, instruction course. You could take a class and become a golf instructor. And then all day long, you can teach other people how to golf and earn extra money. And he loved the idea. He signed up for it. And he, did, he sent us a picture of himself teaching young kids how to golf. Wow. Super. Yeah. So I love helping people have the jobs they love. Be, uh, most people get jobs because uh, somebody told them to go into a certain occupation like lawyer, uh, you know, or because your cousin works somewhere and then you get into the insurance business for some reason, but you yourself are an artist and you can do so many other things and you get into that uh, cycle of just putting up with a job. Well, for me, I talk to people about doing what they love, whatever that is, and making that make money. See, and there, that's a distinction, right? Between someone saying you're, you would be good at this. And the other thing I've noticed, Hazel, along those lines, tell me if this has been your experience as well, is that like certain people, I can, I can spot like people's kind of gifts sometimes. And I know I'm thinking, okay, they would be really good at this. I don't know if they even want to do it. And I've gotten into the habit, like I will hire VAs long-term to do stuff. But I frequently, after about a month, say, if I wasn't asking you to do this set of activities for me, what would you tell me you would help me most with? The last time I asked someone, oh, it was a great question. This, the, my newest VA who's now like staff, he's super. He said, I'm really good artist. And I went, I, I, I would not have known that about him, right? Because they didn't put him out there in that way. He's so creative and so talented. And I'm thinking, so now all I do is say, can you do X? And, he, and I get it back. And the first time I did that, I thought, okay. I and I said, if you have questions, ask me, right? Yes, he he knew exactly how to take a small idea and convert it. But had I not asked him what he would love to do and flourish at, I would have missed out on those skills from him. Wow, that, that's great. I love that. I do interview people and I ask them, what did you love about your past job? And what I look for is for people who love to help people. That's who gets hired. If I can, if, you know, the tongue is the, the well to the heart. So if they would say it's something that leads me to believe that they're, what they love about their previous job is that they help, get to help people, then that's who's probably gonna get hired. Yeah, that's a fit for you and the values of your work. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so now I think people have learned a, a little bit about you, your story. Let's share where they can get your book and where the best place to connect with you is for them to have a deeper relationship with you, learn from you, learn from your team. Where would you want people to go? Uh, Sarah, people write to me all the time on Instagram, uh, Hazel Ortega underscore official. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, the, my book is on Amazon and you can get that in anywhere in the world. <laughs> well, we'll put links for it in the show notes too. So folks don't have to go too far. Um, so we'll have both of those in there. 
And oh, then um, I do have something that I'd like to give you oh, cool. and uh, any of the listeners who want to. It's a free vision guide. It's the same exact questions that were asked of me when I told you that I realized that I didn't have my, any dreams. And that is at the masteryofmiracles.com. Okay, we will also put that in the show notes, but before they ever get onto the podcast, I'm going to hop Great. over and check it out. Masteryofmiracles.com. Yes, it takes you directly to the uh, to download the, the free vision guide and worksheets where you get to fill in the sheets of what you were able to envision. And I feel like you'd be 50% there if you did that. Awesome. Hazel, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Um, I envisioned asking you different questions and you brought so much more than I ever expected. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. And I wish you great continued success because you are touching so many people's lives in a positive, powerful way. Thank you, Sarah. So are you. So I, I appreciate you for that too. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.